So welcome to the show. I'm David Speed. I'm Adam Brazier. And this is Creative Rebels. Uh, it's a podcast for creative entrepreneurs. We started our first company, Graffiti Life, in a small garage. Yeah, it wasn't easy. But we built the company up to the stage where now we're regularly working with brands like Disney and Nike. And we've been lucky enough to make art all over the world. On this podcast, we interview successful creators. Their advice will enable you to take action and turn your passion into a career. There's literally been no better time in history to make a career from being creative. So many people are going to tell you that you can't do it, but we're here to tell you that you definitely can. Right, let's do a podcast. Welcome back, Rebels. Welcome back. Welcome back from the Sahara Desert that is the current Creative Rebels studio. And welcome back for you as well. You've been on holiday, haven't you? Oh, it's been absolutely lovely. Yeah, I've just spent a week in Croatia, which was amazing. So nice. Just nice to just relax and lay down. Like normally our holidays are so active and adventurous. Yeah. That it was nice to kind of, we still saw a lot, but we had a lot of times just kind of like lie on rocks by the beautiful crystal clear water and just like chill. It was just fucking great. Lovely. Isn't it funny how we're catching up now in our podcast? Yeah, it's <laughs> the first time we've actually properly spoken since I've been back. Yeah. Funny, isn't it? <laughs> Also, another mad thing is we've had three individual messages this week from people asking when we're going to be in Australia. Amazing. Which is, yeah, which is really <laughs> cool. So good to know that we've got um, listeners over in Australia. Um, the simple answer to that question is um, we want to come to every town and city across the world. Um, and we will not ask you guys to pay for that. We will ask brands to pay for that. So um, as soon as someone is listening in Australia um, that wants to fly us out to speak at their conference or to um, do a, or to do a presentation to their staff what, or whatever it may be, then uh, and as soon as they pay for our plane tickets, we're we're there, man. We're and that goes for any city in in the world. We want to visit you everywhere and help you in person. When you were when you were away on holiday, did you get a chance to um, look at any of the DMs that have been coming into us? I've been seeing quite a few actually. Yeah, it's so nice to like just be like sat on a beach somewhere, just like flicking through and like just looking at all the great, great feedback we've had this week. Like we've had so many messages that have, literally people whose lives have been changed by the show. It's so fucking heartwarming. Yeah, man. It's, uh, yeah, it's amazing. So congratulations to you guys on your wins. Like, and thank you for sharing them with us. Whether that's like you've just sold your first thing or you've just set up your new business or um, you've just got your business cards printed. Yeah, just thanks for sharing that with us because you know that's why we do this show. So I answered back. Um, it, in fact, two messages this week I answered back with I'm proud of you. I really kind of debated like whether to use that terminology, but like that's how I felt. Like I'm really proud of those two people that emailed yeah. and said the things that they were doing. Yeah, you don't want to be kind of condescending in yeah. a way, but like you're generally proud. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fine. I hope that I was taken in, yeah, in the way that it was meant. But yeah, I'm, I'm legitimately proud of the work that the Rebels are doing because it's, yeah, it's really fun to see. It's really cool to see. Yeah, I think as well, like, I love it when you guys send through like these wins, like you getting started, but like keep sending them through. Like it'd be great to see where you're at on your journey. And if you have any, if you need any help or advice, like just drop us a message and we can try and help you out. Yeah. Yeah. So um, you won't have seen this one, but um, uh, John Morse um, got in touch and he has just launched um, his first Kickstarter campaign. And he was saying that he's like, he's planned out four Kickstarter campaigns before but never had the courage to actually click publish on them yeah i suppose it must be so nerve-wracking to be like well what if no one what if no one does it i think that's the, the thing with starting anything that worry of well what if no one buys my thing 
Yeah, we always have that, don't we? Like, what? Yeah, what is fear of failure, isn't it? It's yeah. like, what if I look stupid because I've tried this thing and it didn't, didn't work? Yeah. The fact that he was just, he finally got over that and was like, okay, whatever may happen, whether this fails or not, I'm going to publish it. Yeah. And he published it and it was really successful. It was like, it's done over its funding thing, whatever you call it. But like, yeah. it's been funded. And he's now got, yeah, he's now got his first successful Kickstarter with his football shirts um, playing cards that are now being made and shipped all across the world. So so that's incredible. And, it, and that just comes down to having the confidence to actually start, yeah. to actually do something. A lot of people don't start because of that fear of failure, but understanding that even if it does technically fail, you'll still learn something through that that can help you the next time you do it. 100%. So, People don't care as much as you think they do. If it does fail, it's just going to be a blip on someone's radar. Like yeah. They're not going to spend the next three years laughing at you because you tried a Kickstarter and it didn't work or you launched an online business and you didn't make any sales or what, whatever it may be. I don't think people are actually thinking like that. They're more worried about themselves. And I suppose failures are what teach us the absolute most, aren't they? Oh, definitely. Yeah, it's important to just to just learn from your mistakes, isn't it? And, yeah. and take on board what didn't work and see how you can adjust that next time. So as in the beginning, one of the hardest parts is just finding those first clients. Like if you don't, if you're leaving a job where you're going to move into something completely different. You can't take any with you or you have none of those relationships there. Like how do you find those first couple of clients? Yeah, it's, it's really hard. And it was something obviously that, that we struggled with in the beginning. Yes, yeah, so I suppose the first thing that we did was identified who our target clients could be. Yeah. Which was quite a big list in the beginning because it was, and, and still is now, I mean, it's all sorts of agencies. Um, and then it's also direct to, to various brands yeah. um, because a lot of brands have in-house creative departments that, that would be working with us yeah. you've got to find out where where your potential clients are and i think a lot of people will just look at what others are doing and they'll copy that model rather yeah. than thinking a little bit differently as to who their potential clients could be so um so if you're if everyone else in your niche just sells on Etsy to occasional buyers, yeah. then like, how can you flip that? Yeah, how can you have the the MD of Google say, oh, I need to buy one of these for each one of my staff employees at Google, which is a lot of employees. Yeah. Like how like how can you how can you get your brand in different places that are away from the expected the expected audience? Because I think opening up to a new audience makes it means firstly you can set your own pricing because you're not mm. you're not bound by the by the pricing structures that you have competition for because you have no competition because you're in a new space. Yeah, there's two real forms of getting clients. There's the outbound and the inbound. So you've got the outbound, which is kind of finding finding the people you want to connect with and then sending them cold messages, whether that's like through email, through DMs on Instagram or setting up meetings with people, just like, or just going out on the street and just talking to people and handing out flyers, for example, like that's what we did when we first started. Yeah, networking events, all of that sort of in-person in stuff. And your product in front of other people. And I think that's, that's a great way to do it. Inbound is equally as important, um, if not more so. I think a lot of people spend too much time these days focusing just on social media, whereas they should concentrate on SEO as well. Because if you've got a company that specializes in something, Google's the main place where people look for things. And if you can solve that query with your product because you've got good SEO, that's so essential. Like Instagram and Facebook don't really have organic search. Like they've got search features, but they're very, very basic. And when was the last time you went onto a social media platform 
searched in something you wanted to buy and then actually purchased from there. Like- yeah, it's more an imp- impulse thing, isn't it? So by having people following you, you might pick up impulse by mm-hmm. customers, which is great, but they're probably not going to, you're not going to be found by someone who's searching for what you offer. So what I would say for SEO is like the first thing to do would be to set up a blog on your site, try and think about what questions people could possibly search for that you could give the answer to. Yeah, I, th- I think it's really important as well how you talk about yourself. And in fact, don't talk about yourself at all, really. Talk about how you provide value for the client, for your potential customer. Um, because I see so many creatives focusing on... In fact, I got sent something the other day um, from someone and it was it was all about them. And it told me nothing about how, yeah. it, how I, I benefited from it. Um, so it's like, if you, if you visit um, rebelscreate.com, like it talks about if you're a creative entrepreneur, you would find this a good podcast. So it's, it's about benefit to our listener. Yeah. Um, because they don't want to hear, I mean, they need to hear that we've been successful so that they know that they can trust us, but that that's really as far as it goes. They just need a little bit of social proof, but for us to then list our whole nine year history of everything that we've done in business is not relevant to them. Mm-hmm. They just need to know, okay, you've achieved something. I can trust you. Great. Yeah. Okay. Next step of that is, um, what do you offer for me? What am I going to, without having to listen to your podcast, I need to know straight away what I'm going to get from listening to your podcast because yeah. that's what all they care about. Exactly. I suppose, and like they're effectively going to spend their time or money, depending on what your service or product is, on that. You want to make sure that you can convince them that they're making a good investment. It comes down to marketing. And I think the reason why we listed this podcast in the business section as opposed to in the arts section is because I think that the business side is so important. And I think I'd rather teach, but like judging by a lot of the work that we've been sent so far, our, our listeners don't need help on the art side. Yeah, I think people already have their talent. They already have that skill in that area. The area they don't have skill or experience in is generally business. And I think that's where we can help people. It comes down to all of these skills. Like when we first started, we had no idea what we were doing. And this this is just... so So we know what it's like to feel that kind of that terror of no one's the phones aren't ringing no no one's here no one's asking for our products i mean especially when we started because it was a completely new product and service no one knew they wanted it because they didn't know it existed yet um and so so at least if you are doing something that does already exist at least you've got a small advantage there in that people do actually know what it is you're making but if you're starting with something that doesn't have a track record um you've then got to convince people that it's something that they might be interested in and you do that by telling them how it's going to benefit them. Yeah. I think what's a great thing to do when you're starting is to make a list of 100 people that you'd love to work for or you'd love to buy your product and then think how can... Then go down that list and contact each one of those people telling each one individually how it would benefit them. Don't just send out a blanket thing to everyone. Like Do a bit of research on each person and find out what specifically about your thing would benefit those people and look at what they've done before, what they've bought before, like anything they talk about on social media and just find out something about them that your product will help solve a problem. Yeah, please don't send out a blanket email ever. Um, I really think that the, the time invested in sending actual emails to people you're you're far better sending one email that you've spent an hour on than a hundred emails that you've spent 10 minutes on it it, the the return on your time is so much more valuable if you actually do put the time because i can tell when i read an email from someone that's actually been sent to us Mm -hmm. um, and that is is providing value to us 
the way I would do it, if I had to start from scratch tomorrow, the first thing I would do would probably be give my products away for free mm-hmm. to or service away for free to as many big names that I could think of. Mm-hmm. Um, I would contact, um, I, I, I guess I'd do um, LinkedIn searches for relevant people at relevant brands f- that I wanted my products or service to be associated with. So I would go to whichever brands that I thought would look good on my website as a client because as soon as you have worked for them, even if you have worked for free, they are still a client and you can then say that you've worked for them. Once I'd done that to maybe four or five brands, which would encompass contacting about 100 brands because only four or five of that 100 would probably say yeah. yes. So, the- so you basically start with building social proof. Yes. I would start with building social proof, absolutely. So um, as soon as I had the first brand under my belt, I would then use that as a case study to go to another brand and say, look, we've already done this for Adidas, for example, we could do it for you. And then as soon as they've seen that you've worked for someone that they've heard of and that they know if Adidas trusts you, then we trust you, mm-hmm. um, then that makes things a lot easier. Then it's why we always recommend to have six months to a year money in the bank to keep you going. Don't just go fully into it if you've not got money, because it's going to take maybe six months to even a year to get that to a stage where all these th- things you've sent out really start to return something especially if you're spending this first six months or a year or however long doing things for free to build up this portfolio of work that you can then go to people with to charge money for it's like I find that a lot with photography it's like people now like if I want to shoot with someone who I think oh they'd be great to shoot with if they know someone I shot with before, they're way more likely to say yes. Like it happens so often. Um, I'll get in contact with them and say like, I'd love to shoot. And then they'll be like, I saw you shot with this person. Yeah, they definitely, I'm completely up for that. Yeah, it's it's weird. I guess that's a human thing of, of how we work because we need to know that. And and I guess people that we know is that's how we trust yeah. the most, isn't that's it? That's like safety, yeah. Yeah, There's and I think that these all of the contacts that you're making in the beginning, it takes a long time for, and like much longer than you would expect for opportunities to start to filter down. And yeah. you'll you'll find that um, opportunities will be talked about and they'll, they'll never actually happen. And it's just, it's such a numbers game of meeting enough people, making enough contacts that eventually it, it starts to become regular work, but it takes a long time to build that up and build up that momentum. Cool. So there was there was a lot there. Um, hopefully it was helpful to you guys. Um, if you do have any specific questions, then feel free to reach out to us at rebelscreate on Instagram or connect at rebelscreate.com on the emails. We had a bloody lovely guest this week, didn't we? So lovely. What Just a ray a of sunshine. Genuine, kind-hearted, fabulous person. She is. Um, so... Yeah, this week's guest is Hannah Pixie Snow. Uh, She's a tattoo artist and a creative free spirit. Hannah's built a huge audience over the years, but doesn't use her platform in the typical influencer way that we've become accustomed to. Instead, she mobilizes her following to help various causes that she's passionate about. And she's raised a huge amount of money for charity. She's soon to embark on a brand new chapter in Nepal, where she and her team plan on building an eco-lodge from scratch. So yeah, it was super fun hanging out with with Hannah and her little sidekick, Dylan the dog, who was uh, a sleepy boy when he was here. But um, So this is a bit of a disclaimer. We do spend the first 20 minutes of this podcast talking about um, ayahuasca and psychedelic drugs. So um, if that's not of interest to you, then maybe skip 20 minutes in. Um, but I think just the general overall 
vibe of the podcast was really positive about kind of um, the energy that you put into the world. And I yeah. think there's there's a lot to be um, thought about there, certainly. In this episode, we talk about uplifting others, moving to Nepal and finding balance. Yeah, we've got to find individual balance. And then I think we'll find more balance as a society, which is why we're just going to go and build it from the ground up. Thanks for doing our podcast. No worries at all. Thanks for having me. So, um, as you know, I've followed you for a good few years now. Um, it's always struck me that you're not really like motivated by things or stuff. Would you agree with that? I would, I would agree with that. Yes, definitely. I've lived a really, really blessed life and I've had everything. I've always had what I needed. I've always had, my mum's always provided for me. I always had more than enough. I've always seen beautiful things. I've been beautiful places. We didn't have a lot of money as a kid, but then I I did have a relationship where I was thrown into that world of materialism, where you can have anything almost, you know, really. And yeah, I just realized that everyone around me was fucking miserable, like really (laughs) miserable, like all due respect to them. You know what I mean? We're all on our own journey, but, and, and I was in that journey as well. I said, I'm on that journey, but I don't know. I just saw people around me searching and searching for happiness and not finding it. And it didn't matter how big their house was or how cute their matching cars were or like what they were all just, they did horrible fucking things to each other all the time. And I just think if you're making decisions that are like that, you're just ne- you're never going to be happy. So I, just, I quick realised that it didn't matter what the fuck was around you, but it was what was going on inside you. I also took ayahuasca at like age 19, so I think that helped after like never having psychedelics. That was your first way in, was ayahuasca? Yeah, it, yeah. Wow. I went to Peru and I did a two-week like... Thing in the middle of the old growth rainforest and yeah it was it was beautiful I've, I'd always wanted to try I'd smoked a lot of weed as a kid I always had friends who were a lot older than me who partied and I like, drank a lot but I just I just had a party party like sort of childhood um did it quite quickly though and then got over it really quickly yeah so by the time I was at like, 18 19 I was like cool drinking is really really boring I'm over this like what else and I'd only ever really been interested in psychedelics and trying psychedelics so or yeah just trying psychedelics I just smoked a lot of weed and hung out I was always that girl at the party that was just getting baked really towards the end that was like on the sofa if you were having a bad time to help you pull you out of a hole or whatever <laughs> and I just asked all my friends were a lot older than me so I always just asked and asked them so many questions about like acid and just yeah mushrooms and whatever and their experiences because it just fascinated me that you could go somewhere else in your own mind yeah. you know like tap in something else and then, yeah, it was just before I got married, actually, funnily enough. I was like, okay, I need one last trip just for myself. Fuck, I'm making a big commitment. I need to do something that's, you know, for me. Went to Peru, took ayahuasca. Realised I shouldn't have been getting married. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, well, I'm going to do this anyway. I'm going to do this anyway because I love this person and I want to, you know, this is my path. I thought it was my path. Yeah. And yeah, took, took that. I'm totally straight edge and I don't drink and like I've never done any drugs um but psychedelics have always appealed to me yeah for me it's intention is everything with everything I Mm -hmm. think like anything can be a drug if you abuse it anything can be medicine if you treat it well so it's 
for me, it was a case of, and not to sound all airy-fairy, but sacred plant medicines. Do you know what I mean? In fact, it's not even sounding airy-fairy. I have to stop apologising, stop editing myself like that because mm. it's something that is completely true. And this is why I'm building this empire because I like to live a life of intention, like in every day, like... I don't just smoke a joint now with, you know, and just, just sort of uh, mindlessly. It's like, I will sit, I will make that time for myself. Even if I only have one or two a day, I will sit and I'll roll myself a joint. It's my medicine. I will sit and I'll process, I will think, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And yeah, just, I think, treating everything with reverence and with respect and as like sacred plant medicines, like rather than abusing that. I, yeah, it's whether it's an escape or for deeper understanding, really. Ultimately, what are you taking a drug for or... Even what are you eating that food for? Is it to nourish your body to, you know what I mean? Or is it just, is it for nothing really? Yeah, I mean, I've like, I've always noticed your work ethic. And I think the the kind of cliche thing is like, oh, people who smoke weed are lazy and it yeah, affects. And... <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever seen that guy for, you know, Josh from Raw Papers, I think his name is. The guy who owns Raw Papers. No. Like it's one of my biggest, biggest um, influences at the moment, if, if, you could, if I could have one. I don't really idolise people I don't know. I don't like to big up anyone that I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I am pretty certain that this guy is a certified G. He has this whole thing with like a hashtag productive stoner and I'm all about it. I'm sure he's brought so much water to like third world countries and you should see his Instagram. He's like this full philanthropic dude and he's just doing the coolest shit all the time and he's the most productive stoner ever, you know? And I like, he's he's from Raw Papers. He's got like a, it's called the Raw Foundation. I've got some papers in my pocket, I think. You see on the back of the papers, it's like, says hashtag Raw Foundation. I mean, I don't smoke, so I would never see that. Yeah, yeah, of course. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, yeah, he, um, the other thing about Raw Papers is they have no chalk in them. They're supernatural. He does does everything right. It's all vegan, non-GMO, blah, 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 blah. But yeah, the actual money that he puts back into communities and like goes out there himself doing shit he's brought i don't want to get this wrong so i might have to edit this but i think he's brought more watch people than water aid or something like that we'll have to like fact check it yeah. but he's done he's done so much cool shit for people and, and i jamie love that about that stoners <laughs> yeah in it can we jamie <laughs> <laughs> yes, so back on the on the joe rogan tip your ayahuasca trip like yes. it, like taught me through it because i'm fascinated by it Shit, it was a lot of years ago now, but I remember it like it was yesterday. It was one of them, I think. You always remember like a sort of... Have you not done it since? No, I haven't. And I would, I would. But it was one of them, like I didn't feel rushed to. Yeah. Yeah, it's a strange one. So I went, it was really, it was really beautiful in the middle of like old growth rainforest. They'd really like not touched anything if they could help it. It was, it was really, really nice place to stay. So we made the ayahuasca ourselves. We got there on the first day and you make the ayahuasca. So we go into like this kitchen, for want of a better word, in the middle of the jungle, which is just like a bit of a tiny cemented area with a bit of a roof where they've mm-hmm. got the big pots cooking. And you're with the uh, local people from the local tribe who've been, you looked about 200, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Amazing, like old as time. He was yeah. 16, he'd just been on a lot yeah, of trips. Yeah, he just tripped a lot then. <laughs> yeah. No, it was really, really, they were really, really beautiful people and they sort of 
you made the medicine so you're putting your intention into it straight away you get there you sort of take a lot you take part in a like a it's called mapacho we smoke this like um sacred tobacco and you kind of have a wander around the jungle uh, interact with nature i had this crazy fucking huge grasshopper come and just land on my hand i was like wandered off into the jungle a little bit smoked this like you know sacred tobacco with these guys and it did feel a bit woof but so i was initially just like wow it's just like what a real nicotine rush would be you know yeah. what I mean if it was like sort of untouched by all the other chemicals it was, yeah I was trying I was quite uh, I've always been quite what's the word analytical of my experience I was like do I feel that fucked up or am I just sort of you know adding to that fucked upness because mm-hmm. it's like the environment or what but then I'm looking down at my hand and this giant green grasshopper came and like landed on my hand and I was looking at it for ages like this I was like what the fuck and then all, a couple of other people from like the retreat like came and wandered over and had a look and they were like this is insane and they're really healing you know it's gonna have some um symbology that I can't even remember what it was but super weird experience we cooked all the brew so it's really really interesting because when westerners first went over to the jungle and were like how did you know like how did you know how to make ayahuasca it's basically like one part of this plant from one side of the jungle mm-hmm. and one part of this vine from the other fucking side of the jungle and like how did you know to put them together and yeah. mix it and it and it, in a certain way where the the drug could be consumed and not broken down by yeah. stomach acids or whatever like, how did you know how to do that the uh, local people just obviously looked at us like we were fucking idiots and were like what well, the plants told us but, you know, you live in harmony with nature. You live it more in tune with nature and the world around you. And I think that the signs and the synchronicities do become quite, like, what's the word? Undeniable. They become completely undeniable. It's, it's like, um, and I think we touched on this when we interviewed Will Store, that we have, like, we have five senses. Yeah. And there could be so much going on outside of us that we're not in tune to. I think there's all sorts going on outside of us. Yeah, so one thing I learned from one of Will Storr's books was that, I think it's Russia, but there's there's somewhere in the world where there's a group of people who see a different shade of violet than we can see. That's incredible. That is incredible. Because they've learned how to see that colour and for us we would just see, it would just be violet, but there's an, an extra shade that they can see. It's nature nurture, isn't it, I think? It's like... If we were raised in different environments, what would we truly be capable of? Yeah, I think it's what you need to survive effectively. Like bees can see, is it, I think, is it bees that see yeah. um, radio waves? Yeah. yeah. And like, we obviously can't see them because there's no need for us to see them. Yeah. If if radio waves killed us, yep. then we would be able to see them yeah, because we would have evolved in. in a way that would lead to that. I would also argue that we are living in systems and societies now where we are conditioned into thinking that we are doing just fine but we are literally surviving, like we could be thriving. I think we've been just smushed as humans into this life of, we eat food that we know is pretty much toxic for us. We drink water that we know is like pretty much toxic for us. We, we speak toxicity. We take part in toxicity. I have taken part in toxicity. I'm sure we've all been like guilty of it at some point. And it's just like, yeah, we, we're really... We really ain't got it. I'm really grateful that I'm from the West and I'm really, really privileged. I know my privilege. And that's what's given me the ability to like kind of figure out, I think, that we've done it really fucking wrong and that we're doing it really, really wrong. And that's kind of why I want to go back to the jungle. So the first time we drank the brew, it's in a super ceremonial setting. You're in this beautiful like uh, wooden maloca. It's like this kind of circular building and we're all wearing white, laying down. It's dead of the night. You've got all the people from the local tribe outside the 
structure just like chanting Icaros so these are like protective spells literally you're so open when you take drugs like that to these other entities that we're mm-hmm. talking about to other energies you're like a it's like moths to a flame you know what I mean if you're that open and you're that intuitive I find it interesting thinking about alcohol as well and spirits like the fact that it's called spirits like you're literally ingesting spirits I feel like people become possessed when they drink like, do you know what I mean? They do yeah. take on real different, like, personalities and personas sometimes. It's pretty gross. So, yeah, basically, they just protect you. They've got your back while you're in there. Um, so it starts in the middle of the night, chatting all the Icaros, and I was the first person to drink the ayahuasca and the first person to purge. And it's not bad. Like, this is really, really strange because I always had quite a phobia of being sick when I was younger. I was quite ill when I was when I was a youngster. I had a lot of dairy, and I never knew what was wrong with me. It just never quite agreed with me. Didn't agree with anyone. But, yeah, it didn't <laughs> agree with me particularly and so I always like have a bit of a panic attack you know if I have to be sick or anything like that because I just hated it so much and it was so strange because it's so instantaneous you know when things are happening so present that you haven't got chance there's no like emotion attached to it almost yeah it was like oh I think I want to be sick oh my god that felt amazing just instantly there was no resistance there was no like second guessing or fear there was no fear ultimately no fear no doubt so you don't have that energy entering at all but I had literally not taken drugs, psychedelics until this point. So my intention was so solid going out there. Like I'd done like a detox for a month before where you have to eat a strict dieter. You can't even have like spicy foods and loads of crazy stuff. No sex, no other drugs. So I didn't smoke weed. I didn't drink, didn't do anything for a month. So by the time you go in there, your body is such a pure vessel. And I think more just mentally, you've made so many decisions on a daily basis where you've refused something that you normally would have. So you are preparing yourself every moment almost every day for a month before you get there by the time you get there your intention is so strong it's going to be like a super strong Mm, drug you know what i mean if you treat it like the medicine it's supposed to be yeah and i think all those things that you stopped as well they they would all cause chemical imbalances in Mm -hmm. your brain so as soon as you kind of like say no to that for a really long time it's like if you don't drink for ages and then you have one it just like hits you so much more just like floored you floors me like i can't drink now like not at all i've like sip of red wine and i'm like that's it i'm done i'm over it but yeah, the first time I drank, you have to set the, one of the important things is you, before you drink the brew, you have to meditate and kind of, I say meditate, but yeah, just think of, of your intention all day before you drink that night of like why you are doing this, what you're doing it for. So you write down your intention, you kind of meditate on it all day, have a wander around the jungle and just, you know, enjoy the surroundings, but be thinking about why you're going to be doing this later. So I knew from asking all my friends a million questions about psychedelics, I was just like, how do I have a good trip? <laughs> I don't want to have a bad trip. You know what I mean? And they were just like, don't fight it. That is all they'd ever said to me. Like, whatever's happening, mm-hmm. just enjoy it and don't fight it and you'll have a great time. So that was all I'd, go, all I'd gone into this experience thinking or knowing, like, just don't fight it and it's going to be all right. So my intention the first time I drank ayahuasca was to simply let go and surrender to the experience. Because I know I've got, like, I had somewhat control issues mm-hmm. just from not feeling like I was able to do anything like that before. It was like, okay, I've got a surrender to experience, something that's bigger than me, and just see what the fuck happens because I want to know, you know what I mean? And that's the risk that you take. Mm-hmm. So it was simply to surrender uh, to the experience and, yeah, to enjoy it. And I did exactly that. It was the mildest, nicest trip. Really, really body high at first. It was like... You went and lay down back on your little mattress thing, sort of after you've you've had that you've had your, your drink of the brew, and he gave me a real good cupful too. Like he really stitched me up, <laughs> guy. I was like, you know, you want to do that? Have you see the size of me? 
But I went, I laid down, it was super mild. It was super beautiful. It started off, I felt it in my body and it was like, you know when your body gets really, really heavy? But then I felt like I like sank through this mattress and then like sank through the floor to the center of the fucking earth. I was like anchored into the center of the earth. I've never been so heavy in my entire life and I couldn't move. My eyes were closed, but I didn't feel scared. Mm-hmm. I was like, wow, that's grounded. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> like that's yeah. the shit. And then it started off as really, really mild visuals. They were just like electrical. All I can describe them as is like electrical impulses, but they were like in the form of snakes. And it's strange because everyone tends to see snakes on ayahuasca um, or like, yeah, very, very similar things. And they never quite got to me. It was a bit like watching a computer screen, you know, when you've got your eyes closed. It was like not quite reaching me. It was very mild, purged a little bit, just had a really nice trippy time, saw some cute little things, nice light patterns, and that was the end of it. The second trip that I had, that was the one that's worth talking about, really, because, yeah, I think that's why I ain't done it since, because I got the answers that I went for. Mm-hmm. And I, I have some more, so I would definitely go back at some point. The second time, I got cocky. And I was like, well, that was fucking great. That was easy. <laughs> like, so my second intention for taking the brew was, I was like, I, I know that you can't live without ego. Ego is necessary in this human experience for us to make decisions, for us to whatever. Like, it's a completely necessary part of life. But I wanted to experience removal of ego. I was like, burn it away. You know what I mean? Remove my ego. I want to experience ego death, whatever that is. Whatever mm-hmm. they all talk about when I watch all these fucking things. What is ego death? Give me it. And it kicked my fucking head in. It, <laughs> it was amazing. But yeah, I took, I drink, drank the brew, laid down, purged very quickly this time, more, more quickly than the time before. And all I can describe it as to other people is it's like I went through, like it, it, there was no emotion, again, no fear and no emotional attachment to it. So it wasn't real suffering, but I went through hell and then was projected into the heavens. And I saw everything for what I believe is like as it is so I would through the the dark part in the beginning drank the brew laid what down what does the dark part look like well I think it might be different for everyone but it's quite it's quite it's quite typical I don't know if you've ever seen I've actually got a picture on my Instagram somewhere of a temple I was once in in Asia somewhere I can't even remember where it was specifically I think it was in Bangkok or Thailand or something mm-hmm. and you know when they have the depictions of heaven and hell on the wall, yeah. and they'll have like all the mountains and that, and the heaven above and the hell below. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like, uh, it's a lot of blood, a lot of blood, a lot of death. And I remember at one point I was purging and it was, I was being sick into my bowl, but it was like, it was just blood. I, it wasn't blood, but mm-hmm. it was just like blood. It was like the swirling pits of hell. You know what I mean? And I was being sick and I remember almost laughing to myself because I knew it was necessary. But it was like, I'd, it was, at one point, I was being sick, like all the blood of all the animals I'd ever eaten. And I remember thinking, it was like, it was karma, pure karma. You know what I mean? Anything you'd ever done, even inadvertently, when you knew it had affected somebody else and created imbalance, mm-hmm. the blood was on your hands. And I was paying for it in that moment. And I was throwing it up. And I remember laughing to myself and looking at my hands, which had blood on them. And I just went, I'm so glad that I hadn't eaten me so long. <laughs> Because I was getting it out, you know, I mean, I was getting all, I guess, all my guilts, all my whatever's out, like anything that I believed was a sin or mm-hmm. such. And I felt the other strange thing is a lot of people often talk about mother ayahuasca or like they feel like a female presence, like an energy when they're in these trips. And as I was in hell, as I was throwing up this, this blood of all the animals I've ever eaten and whatever else... I, f- I was struggling at one point to purge and I was like, you know, when you feel like you've got some, something there and you can't yeah. get it up, it was horrible. I was trying to be sick. 
and I felt these hands down my back, like these two real strong, but like a, a female like presence behind me and these hands on my back. And as she like stroked my back like that and pulled down, I threw up and it was amazing. She was literally like releasing for me. And I heard her say, I'm so sorry, but you asked for this. And I was literally like, yep, it's cool. And <laughs> as soon as I acknowledged it, I was like, wow, like, okay, it's fine. I was just like, I was literally like, it is fine. It is fine. I knew I'd asked for it. I knew there's no point fighting any of it. I was like, it is fine. That was it. I was projected into the heavens. It was beautiful. And it wasn't heaven as heaven, but I was literally projected up and out of the world. And all I can describe it as is I was like a star, but one of the grand cosmic web. So it was like, I was in space with all everything around me. I am one of those stars in the million. And I could see the earth from like an alien perspective. And it was like this beautiful, glistening, just ball of, that's, just con- that's just designed to perfectly sustain like all life, like all types of life. And then I saw the human race just come over the world, like in a cartoon, you know, where it's just like fire and brimstone, just like covering <laughs> the world. And I was like, what the fuck are we doing? And then that's, that's what, that was my trip. So I think, I, I don't know if it's mother nature, like projecting her TV screen on like, what are you guys doing? You know, this is the way of the plants communicating with us. That's like mother nature saying, this is what you've done to us. Look at that. That's what you did. And I do believe that maybe the human civilization has been here a few times and has done this a few times and we just keep fucking ourselves each time. We just drive ourselves into, like, destruction each time. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to do a podcast about ayahuasca, are we? But, like, yeah, no, not it's at all. quite relevant, though. But I think it totally ties back because the initial question I asked you was about you being motivated by things and stuff, which it doesn't ever feel to me like you have been motivated by those things. And, like, looking at your journey, like, now it makes so much sense of like where you're going now just because of the experiences you've had and just the sort of sort of self-realization of to me you really embody that that thing of like one person can make a difference I like to think so because I don't really know what external to me even exists like no disrespect guys but I don't know what this room is I don't know what I'm here doing all I know is my own experience do you know what I mean so if you can't make a difference to at least your own experience then no other fucker's gonna yeah, but a lot of people are making a difference to their experience at the detriment of others. Yeah. Whereas, like, you're trying to uplift people. Well, um, people yeah, what people don't realise is that whenever you are creating imbalance, you are only dogging yourself in the long run. Like, I've just seen people destroy themselves with it. They'll get more money and more this and more that, but they're more miserable and their faces start melting. Because you, you're wearing, it's like, it's, it's, it's all the oldest cliches, but it's literally like a beautiful person, it shines out of their face. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Just from the thoughts that they think or like whatever, it doesn't matter what you really look like. Because it's just such a individual thing. Like, you know what I mean? You will glow if you're a good person. And if you're not, you won't. And you can't hide that. Like inward, outwardly. Yeah, I believe that. I do believe it. So you've been on this journey that it seems that it's always been heading towards where you're going now. Um, I didn't know it, but yeah, I think I'd agree. (laughs) I really didn't know it. So um, when was the first time that you went to Nepal? First time I went to Nepal. Good question. Uh, A few years ago now. I've been helping them for years. Uh, Well, I've been helping a charity out there for years now that I got put onto just by a friend on Instagram. Um, That's Raksha. Yeah, Raksha Nepal. It's a small grassroots organization. It was the same thing. When I first got my Instagram account, I 
realised I could generate some money. I didn't need any. I was living in a fucking expensive house, you know what I mean? I didn't have much to worry about. So I just sold my prints for these guys originally. It was a good charity that a friend had recommended me. I'd raised a lot of money for bigger organisations. And then, I'd, you know, when you get down to the real donating part and, like, mm-hmm. you click in the link and I realised that I was just giving money to, like, the NHS for one of these, like, mental health, might be mindful foundations. And I was really pissed off because I was like, every time I raise all this money... I'm throwing it at these organisations that when you really get down to the nitty gritty of it, they're just big government ran organisations. I don't know where money's going. I don't, it's not even my money. I don't know where this, these people's money's going. And it just didn't sit right with me. So I was like, right, grassroots all the way. I'm only going to support things that I can see what's happening, see where it's going to. This was like a really small organisation and it's a beautiful one ran by a lovely woman in Nepal and they've just got, I think they have like 60 or 70 kids now, but they didn't have that many at the beginning. And yeah, it's just helping to protect sexually exploited women and children in Nepal. So they've got this big, beautiful old hotel up in the mountains now that we also, with the help of my Instagram account mm-hmm. and everyone that like, you know, chips in and helps so much, help them buy which is great because their original shelter fell down in the earthquake, like literally just yeah. collapsed in the earthquake. So we did a big fundraiser after that had happened a few years ago. And now they're up in this big, awesome thing in the middle of nowhere. And it's, it's fantastic. It's really safe. We've been going back there, like forwards and backwards uh, and painting it. I think I was first in touch with them seven years ago, but I visited them like three or four times in between then every couple of years, every year or so. And how did you, and find, how did you find them originally? Through a friend, through Instagram. It's interesting because everything has spawned from an Instagram account, which is so ridiculous, really, to think about it. But it's cool. It's just it's about utilising what you've got, isn't it? Yeah. Like working with what you've got and so just allowing it to flow. So you've like you've helped so many people because you've mobilised your audience to help those people. I think that's fucking yeah. beautiful. I didn't really know what I was doing or why I was doing it, but everything else just felt really futile. So is it like basically you're, you're tattooing that supporting you and keeping yeah. a roof over your head and yep. food in your belly yep. and everything else you do, every penny of that, it seems to me, like every penny that you make from your other stuff, which is like merch, T-shirts and all of that sort of stuff, that all goes to It charity. had done, yeah. It fully had done until about... I'd done a couple of things myself before, a few sets of prints and stuff like that, but for the most part, yes. We've raised, like, I think it's close to like... £100,000 for charity at this, at this point. Like, it was like 50, 60 last time I checked, but you know what I mean? I think actually it's probably closer to something like that. I don't keep tabs on it, but I know it's a lot. And I, I, I've never I've never needed savings, so I've never had to worry about it. Do you know what I mean? As long as I know I've got enough to keep me going and to sustain, that's all I've needed. I didn't know where I was going anyway, so I didn't need to save for it, you know what I mean? But this is the first time building this project and doing this and it's still not about me. It's still bigger than just myself. Like, it's for this community. It's for my friend. It's for her daughter. It's for, like, the family. It's for the soul family. You know what I mean? So this is why I feel comfortable now raising these funds and being like, right, can you help us now? Because you can come if you help us. Like, if you want to grow some good food and you want to bring a good energy and you're not going to be a douchebag, you can come live in Nepal with us on our land. You know what I mean? Like, just, yeah. Anyone who's got so much to bring to the table... And vice versa, you know, you want to take something from Mars. Because when you bring out like a, a T-shirt or, or like a backpack or something, like they sell out fast. Yeah, well, this is the thing. I like to keep it limited. I like to keep it real and like magic, you know. It's like we do handmade shit. Like I want that real love-infused juju, you know what I mean? And I want to know that the guy in the market that I've 
been seeing for two years like you know you're right mate and I love those guys I walk down the market in Nepal and they're like putali <laughs> it's so funny I'm like yes mate what does that mean butterfly in Nepalese oh. I know right it made me laugh at first because it's I like it because it sounds like puta in Spanish which yeah, is yeah. whore yeah. And, I've, <laughs> and I've had that so I like putali is like an upgrade I'll take that yeah. over, over just puta like nice one I'll own them both like don't get me wrong but putali yeah I can get down with that but yeah, I like to know that I'm helping that guy and his family who I know, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, again... So all of the, all of the products are handmade yep. by Nepalese people? Yes. But like our friends, you know, like yeah. ones that we've worked with a lot, we know are amazing. They've got, they get paid well, they get paid much better than they normally would. You know what I mean? It's like making sure that everybody involved is happy, really happy with like what energy they receive from it, what they're giving, what they're receiving. Because it's when you start creating the imbalance, when you start working with sweatshops in China, when you start doing mm-hmm. this, that, and you inevitably create an imbalance. That's not going to sit good with you deep down. Even if you, it's just subconscious, do you know what I mean? Like it's still existing and it will eventually surface. Anything built on inauthenticity, I think, is just doomed to fail eventually. So for anyone out there who's thinking about going to like starting a clothing company or something, how do you get those connections? Because I imagine it's quite easy to go online and find someone in China to make your stuff for you. Super easy. How is it to find someone in Nepal? Not easy. You have to have real life experiences. Mm -hmm. It's like you can't rush this shit and that's what people don't realise. It's like I never intended to do any of this specifically, like set out and do any of this, but the opportunities that are presented to me, I'm, I'm always searching for the best in them, you know what I mean? And if something doesn't meet an expectation, then I'm, I'm just not, not even that I have an expectation, but if something doesn't feel right, if something's not in alignment, I don't do it. And I've had like some really good opportunities as well, where you know, where you're like, oh, this would be great. And it just doesn't quite work out. And you're like, oh, well, okay, fuck it. It's really it's funny actually. But it's I've, not in alignment, obviously. I've, I've got written down in my notes, most people who are looking to build a t-shirt brand or a clothing company, don't do it to help people. And I think that's why they go to China because they're doing it to make a like, yeah, of course. quick buck. Everything is your intention. I think before you do anything, you've got to ask you what your intent, why are you doing it? Mm. People just do things, people do anything so mindlessly these days. And it's like, why, why are you doing the things that you're doing? Like simple as like what you're eating for lunch or who you're going to talk to on your lunch break, who you're going to give your energy to or like just, just everything. It's like with us too, like the reason that we spend hours like interviewing guests, editing, putting it online, like promoting it, all of the stuff that goes into making the podcast is like, because to we, help people. we fucking love it. And, <laughs> yeah. and, and like, and like, that's why it thrives because yeah. your intention is fucking solid. So it's going to thrive. Like, you know, you've got that, like, yeah, you got it. Got it going on guys. Well done. <laughs> Thanks. No, so, thank um, you. <laughs> so Instagram obviously has been hugely important. How do you react to, because there's a few things going on on your account. So I noticed like there's a lot of people like call you mum in the comments and stuff. Like that must be trippy. That like, used to happen a lot more. <laughs> yeah. Back in the day. <laughs> yeah, that was a lot more. Um, it's funny because the older I've got, the less people have like called it's me weird, mom. Like, yeah, yeah it's really, really weird. Uh, yeah, I don't know. That's cool. Whatever, whatever works for you, innit? If it helps you, cool. <laughs> but what I've noticed is that, like, because I, I love your stories, like you're really honest on your stories and you just talk about like what's going on in your life, but you also bring it back round to, so if anyone's going through something similar or, and I think like, especially when it comes to girls, like you kind of take that responsibility of, you know, that there's a lot of girls that look up to you and you'll talk about your experiences and you'll kind of guide them through yeah. in your own way. 
I can only really relate to my own experience. So looking at myself as all those people who might be looking at my account, you know, when I was younger, like 14, 15 year old girl or whatever, all I can do is really share wisdom that I would have wanted to hear, like my younger self would have wanted to hear. Like I, you've got to honor that like inner child almost always and like hold space for her, I think. So yeah, it's just by extension of me holding space for my younger self and my inner child and always nurturing her and being and I know that people want to hear the same shit like that, like that, you know what I mean? I've also got super, super more heavily into like astrology and not just talking about like your average, you know, horoscopes, but like when you really start looking into it, there are so many shifts happening all the time that really do make sense so it does you know what if a few people are going to go well that's bullshit so be it because if it resonates with a few others who are also going through like fucking mercury retrograde or whatever it is that's happening at the time and there's some real good pointers that could you know help someone i'm all for sharing that i am all for it fucking mercury i know fucking mercury i think you were pluto last or something i don't even know i'm still i'm still learning mate you know what i mean but like yeah it's interesting it's interesting. The more and more you open yourself up to deeper levels of understanding and deeper levels of like empathy, ultimately, I think, for yourself, it, you can then extend that to others. Yeah. And I love that because you've you've got this big audience and you're you're not like, oh, this will get me on Love Island or this is going to be great for my I career. Fuck Love Island. I'm no, sorry. No, I know. There's like numerous people who've been on that show who have killed themselves. What in the fuck? Why are we still like, I'm sorry, because I know that like, it's an interesting study in human behavior. I do appreciate that. And I'm not, I'm not trying to like diss anybody's interests, but it's just like, what are you lending your energy and your time and your attention to? Something that is clearly not very uplifting. Mm-hmm. Didn't elevate those, those poor people. Do you know what I mean? So it's like... It's, it's, they're creating toxic environments on purpose. Of course they are. Of course, yeah, that's exactly it. You've nailed it. Like all of the things that are bad for us. Like um, I, I literally just wrote a blog post on uh, moaning um, and so and how like your negative thoughts is are really bad for your health. But you're literally creating more as exactly, well. Exactly, yeah. All for acknowledging darkness. It exists. It's about balance. You know what I mean? You cannot love and light yourself to a better future. And I really did find that out at a young age when I was like in a lot of trauma and I'm going this is fine. You know, that little dog that's on fire on the meme that's like, everything's fine. Yeah. That was me. <laughs> that was fully me. But so I'm all for acknowledging darkness where it exists because you can never, you know, you've got to acknowledge it to work through it and move on and like process. But giving it that unnecessary extra attention, like if you really are that present, there really is no suffering. You know what I mean? There is that like, mm, need to be devil's advocate. Like, yeah, you get what you focus on. Yeah, of course and you I do. Think you if get you're more living- and more of that. If you're living your your life in a negative space, then that's that's what you'll find. Of course, even if you're in the darkness, you acknowledge it and you go, right, well, I'm here and I acknowledge this and I appreciate this because it gives me the opportunity to see that this is what I want now. Mm-hmm. Then work towards that, you know what I mean? Then you are able to recognise what does work for you or what's not working for you and why and acknowledge it and change it. But like if you've got enough, I saw a really good post once, so it's like, if you've got enough time to check your phone and complain about this and do that, then you've also got time to write a list of fucking goals, prioritize, eat well, nurture yourself. Do you know what I mean? You've got, you've got whatever you make time for. Mm-hmm. It's a relative fucking construct. I should stop swearing, but it gets me angry. You know what I mean? No, <laughs> it gets I, me motivated, yeah, no, not I, angry, passionate. like passionate. That's yeah. the word. Like, I couldn't fucking agree more, to be honest. Yeah. And and I think like things like sleep and diet are like they're, huge. They're, the they're food so you eat, huge. it changes your DNA, mate. Like the food you eat literally changes your DNA. And like Do that's you know I mean? so within that's so within our grasp because um, I I I hardly ever talk about mental health because it's such a 
it's such a touchy subject and you don't ever want to put anyone's experience down. Of course you don't. But for those people, it's like the people who are sort of really negatively saying like, don't try and change me. Like you can't pull me out of this black hole that I'm in, et cetera, et cetera. It's like, have you tried changing your diet? Yeah, have no, you tried literally. sleeping more? Have you thought about the fact that like the foods that you put in your body are literally your fuel? So if you don't have the right chemicals, it's going to affect your mood. Like if you don't have the right thing, it's going to affect you negatively. Do you know what I mean? If you don't yeah. have enough of this hormone or enough of that, if your shit's not in balanced, so are your emotions, so is your external life, so is everything. It's about bringing everything into balance and into harmony. Yeah. No one needs to be perfect, raw vegan, this, you know, blah, blah, blah. But goodness me, the more and more you lend your time and energy to like nourishing yourself on a real cellular, le- cellular level, I think that's when, yeah, things start making more sense and yeah. falling more into alignment. We had a nutritionist on the show actually and she said that 90% of serotonin comes from your gut. Yep. Which is crazy. That's like... Yeah. So um, 90% of your happy comes from your belly. Yeah. Like, what the fuck are you putting in it then? Are you telling yourself you love yourself when you eat food or are you telling yourself that you hate yourself ultimately when you eat food or that you don't respect yourself? So when are you, when are you going to Nepal and you're, and you, like, how long are you going to be out there for? We are going to live. So we are, when we go this time, we are, it's me and Dylan, I'm saying we, because it's me and this little sleepy boy in the chair. <laughs> but um, yeah, we are going to live now. So we Dylan leave in, yeah, Dylan's a doge, D-O-double-G. Dill D-O-double-G. Yeah, in September, early September. I think it's like the third or fourth off flight or something, but we fly to Nepal to, fingers crossed, stay. We have to figure out a business visa and everything when we get there. Mm-hmm. They're very relaxed with all that. I've sort of been to meetings and done this, that, and the third at the embassy, but it's better just to sort it out when you get there. It's a very, very different way of living over there. Yeah. So, yeah, we're going to go over. We found land. It's fucking brave, man. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> you're, like, you're literally going to uproot everything mm-hmm. and you're going to live there. Yeah. We found land that's beautiful, like absolutely beautiful. Up, in, it's in Pokhara. It's called. It's sort of out of the dusty, just Mandu city. It's up. It's kind of where all the trekkers start, you know, on their treks up the Annapurnas and up the, the Himalayas. So it's really picturesque by this beautiful lake. The ground that we're building on has been like untouched for like over hundred years. We've got a natural, we've got natural spring water on the on the land. Um, it's, yeah, it's got one big structure on there already that's sort of good to go, and we're just going to build from that, really. What are you building? An eco community. The size and scale, I guess, is TBC, but it's going to be at least for me and my soul family. So I'm just going to build it, and then they will come. And what's an eco community? Um, I would say so. I'll, I'll go through this Hempers Collective thing because I, I have bullet points because <laughs> 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 it's hard to get into words. Basically, it's me and my friend Priscilla, my co-creator, so I have to mention her because she has just been the person that's brought this to fruition for me. It's like, it's a shared dream. It's bigger than anybody, as in, it's bigger than any of us as individuals. And we, we knew that from the beginning, that it's like, we, want to, we don't want to survive anymore. We want to thrive together. She's got a beautiful daughter. I want to see her thrive. I'm anti-pixie now, you know what I mean? Like... And it's just one of those, we, we've kind of set up this whole Hempress Collective as being a bit of a collaboration of women, because she's from Canada, she's got a lot of connections over there as well. So it's a collaboration of women just like dotted around the globe who promote and also more importantly just embody lifestyles that are in alignment with um, their core values. 
So including but not limited to, like, so we know people who do permaculture, people who do the sort of sustainable building out of, like, these... We have this woman who invented this crazy kind of structures. When you can make them out of bamboo, they're a bit like yurts, you know? So we're probably going to utilise a lot of that design and she's going to come over and we're going to go stay with her in Devon and do an event. So it's really about a collective of people coming together to do this. And that's when I realised, like, I'm not going to... You know what I mean? You don't build a thing, build this all on your own. It's so much bigger than a person. Mm-hmm. It's just basically women who advocate sustainable living and holistic therapies as alternatives to the norm. So whether, and they really embody it in their work. So it's like, yeah, whether it's natural medicine or anything really. So how, how are you going to do this? Like you're going to need some money. Yeah. So you're fundraising we on are fun- the- Yeah, we're fundraising right now. So basically we have all the products that I'm doing, the next sort of few drops that I would usually do for charity are, but are for our charity, yes, for want of yeah. a better word now. We're doing it for the Empire, is what we're calling it, uh-huh. working title. Um, but yeah, it's it's just crazy. It's, Nepal, is we chose Nepal because it's just so naturally abundant in hemp. It is, I mean, we chose it because it felt like home, for starters. It just... It really is a sacred place, I think, and sacred land there. They have an abundance of natural resources and they always try and fit a Western model or like live up to a Western model in sort of places like this. And we want to go over there and be like, look, we got it wrong. Like, you don't have to do that. We, you don't need brick and mortar structures. You have all this natural shit surrounding you everywhere. You have all the hemp, you have all the bamboo, you have all this. Why are you building brick and mortar resorts in the middle of the mountains? It's unnecessary. So we've got a really, really beautiful elder who we're buying the land from who is so in alignment with our project. He cried like all over my friend when he when we met and you know, we wanted yeah. we decided that we wanted this piece of land. He was just like, You're the first people, especially the first foreigners, but the first people in general who've ever come here and understood that it's not our land and it's not your land. It's just like well, it's not yours, it's not ours, it's shared. It's like it is the place's land. And he really wanted an ashram. And we were like, we'll build an ashram on the land. No worries. We've got people who do yoga, you know, like people who do any kind of alternative, like sort of holistic therapy. We want to create textiles and clothing out of natural natural resources. But yeah, he's just, he's super duper involved as well with, with sort of our entire ethos. So that's really, really nice. We're going to help him out with another resort that he has like 80, 80% finished. We were like, well, we're going to come in and it's going to be an eco resort. And he was like, cool. Okay, let's do it. (laughs) So that's good. We have the ability to like host retreats pretty much straight away. So I think in October, we'll also be hosting a retreat in Nepal. Like okay, so you'll charge people to come on the retreat, right? Because then that's going to be, yeah, we'll be doing more. But first of all, we're fundraising over the next few months. So that's the most important thing. We have a series of events planned. I am going to be doing two events in, the, in London. We have the first one coming up with my friends at Brightzine. They are fantastic. They've got like this little vegan. It was originally just like a little vegan lifestyle magazine, but now they have their own space and they have their own like workshops and they're really two females that are really doing it right. Like beautiful, beautiful people. 
So we have the first event with Brightzine at their spaces in London, which is going to be brilliant, which is tomorrow, uh, Saturday, the 27th of July. We are starting off with like a little, a little brunch club in the morning. We'll also have a lot of my handmade hemp products in store to buy. Because as you mentioned, they always sell out online because we do such a small amount of everything. Mm-hmm. But we did want to offer them in store as well at these events exclusively so that people, you know, might enjoy that. So we'll have a lot of our own products for sale. We're going to be doing sort of tarot oracle readings, sound healing, yoga. Like over the weekend, there will be a lot, mainly just healing. Mm-hmm. So a healing weekend full of arts and magic not limited to those things basically so basically from for your ticket admission you're going to be getting like a load of good therapy for yourself but you're also going to be helping a really good cause yes most definitely and then after that on the 3rd and 4th of august i have more of a just tattoo oriented event so i'm going to be doing a flash weekend because i know that they always work really well yeah so to raise funds specifically for the project so yeah building the empire basically and that will be a london social tattoo in angel on saturday the 3rd and sunday the 4th of august after that we plan on leaving and going to devon where our friend who has the permaculture uh, business it lives we're going to be staying on her land in some of her amazing structures sharing magic and i think we'll be having an event with her as well something a little bit more even more special because we have the land and we have people can stay on the land so we'll release more information about that as we sort of know but yeah it's, it's all we're letting this flow very very organically because it's sort of the way we've done everything we didn't ever set out to build a fucking eco community in nepal it's just turned up and we've just accepted the challenge you know what i mean so kind of the same with all the events they're going to be full of magic but we're just letting them letting it happen letting it come to us and it's, it's nice that you that you do live like that because i think that so many people are caught up in their they're like this happens then this happens next then this happens next and we all have our lives very planned out that it's nice that you can just go oh i think the universe is pulling me to nepal i'm gonna live there now this is the thing i think we're always so quick to say we know exactly what is best for us but do we really really know that you know, and you're like, oh, this person is the best for me or this thing is the best for me. And then you don't really know, like something could happen tomorrow and like really shape your reality and shift mm-hmm. your sort of awareness and just your entire experience. So I now think, I, I think just... a massive change could be great for so many people, oh, but they're never willing to take that massive, massive change, change. is usually always great for every yeah. person, but you just have to utilize that change. You know what I mean? Like really be the alchemist in this world. Like, I don't know if you know, of you know, Alejandro Jodorowsky? I think so. He did some really, really cool movies. It was the first, It was the name of the first tattoo studio I ever worked in. He did a movie called Holy Mountain. Right. But it's really, really interesting. Really, really. He's also a very, very skilled guy at tarot and all that sort of stuff. But he basically made these crazy, crazy trippy arty movies back in the seventies or whatever, maybe sixties, seventies. I can't remember. And he went against all the film board and all that when they said you have to run a movie by us in order to release. He was like, "Fuck these guys! I'm an artist." And he just made these insane trippy films that were like banned from cinemas and but he's a genius he's an absolute genius and it was basically this holy mountain movie is just so visually like it's quite confusing and all these things are going on it's about being the alchemist you can literally turn yourself into gold you can any situation you know what i mean but it's about it's about being that alchemist in everyday life i think and just like really searching to create gold out of your experience 
And if it goes wrong, you you can then just come back. Well, you're like, taking it as something's gone wrong or something's showing you a different door. Do you yeah. know what I mean? It's like mm-hmm. showing you a different way. There's always a different way that something can be done. You know what I mean? And it's like, I think we have to let go of our ego sometimes in thinking that we always know what's best. Like, I just literally ask for whatever serves my highest every morning. Like, whatever that may be. If that means I'm going to be 10 minutes late for this thing, and that's still whatever served my highest. Maybe I'd have got hit by a fucking bus. You know what I mean? If I'd have been 10 minutes early, who knows? It's one of them, like... I think you either live believing that everything is divine or nothing is. And for me, I'd just rather everything be. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know about you guys. So tell us about the event in Canada. So the event in Canada, I'm really excited about. I'm going to um, stay with Priscilla, my co-creator, and I cannot wait to be on her side of the globe because I'm going to receive her in London first. We're going to do our couple of events here and then I'm over there. And obviously which, the which cannabis, Canada? it's Vancouver. Um, and she, I'm so excited. I've never been, I'm really, really, I've always wanted to go since I started watching South Park. (laughs) 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 Always. But, um, yeah, we, there's obviously a huge cannabis community out there. So over here, I'm more on the hemp oriented side of things. And I'm more like, yeah, it's amazing. Let's have all these hemp products, these sustainable materials. Like I have to kind of hype all that side up more. Obviously, I love weed, but I'm not going to go around <laughs> selling weed or growing my own weed at this point in England because it's illegal. So <laughs> in Canada, it's a very, very different take on this plant medicine. And we're going to have this big sort of cannabis and hemp oriented event. There are so many strong, what we like to call hempresses over there who are all about their careers sort of being in alignment with this movement. And it's just they're a community of women that really, really do strive to raise each other. And that's what I respect so much. I honestly think if you smoke that much weed, you can't be that big a dick. You know what I mean? It makes you sit there and acknowledge yourself a lot of the time. So these girls are really, really beautiful in that. Yeah, they have play, you know what I mean? They'll bring their kids, we'll have a play day and we'll also plan some fucking magic in the meantime and just find different ways that we can scratch out each other's backs basically and elevate one another like by endorsing their products or like bringing their all natural, holistic, you know, I'm making a CBD balm at the moment, but like an, one that actually works, yeah. you know, like in Canada, they've given, I've never tried the CBD drops before because I was always a bit like, oh, does it really work though? I've got some stuff from Canada that my friend who were going to be working closely with this company called Delush, I think, it's 600 milligrams. I feel like a cloud. It's amazing. Yeah, I had cramps this morning. I was feeling all womanly and like, oh my gosh, it's amazing shit. But 600 milligrams as opposed to like six milligrams or whatever we get here. Do you know what I mean? It's very, very different. So we're going to be working alongside a lot of different companies and utilizing their knowledge rather than trying to do everything off our own back straight away. We don't need to bring out our own tinctures right now and this, that and the third. We probably will do all this in the future. But for now, I'd rather raise our sisters in the process and this Hempress Collective be more of like an umbrella for everyone to sort of come together and showcase what they have to offer for the community, by the community. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, that notion of raising each other, like that makes me think of the book that you were in recently. Oh yeah, Generation W. Generation W. Yes, that was amazing. That was just another one of those where I'd got an email saying, would you like to be a part of this? And I was like, love to be, absolutely honoured. And hopefully I'm going to be doing an event with them as well now. And I'm going to be reading with a few of the other females from the book, um, an event in Sheffield, fingers crossed. So what's the book about? It's basically... Because it's 100 years since the women received the vote and all that, it's sort of interviews with 100 creative women around the UK who are basically trying to embody the divine feminine. 
trying to honor that in their work and in their lives, whether that be through whatever, you know, like whatever form, writing or art or philanthropy or this or, yeah, to anything. Ultimately, we're just trying to heal. It's just the divine feminine trying to heal, trying to nurture, you know what I mean? And that's not to dismiss the divine masculine, which is just as necessary, just as necessary, but it's more a case of, obviously there's been imbalance for a long time, Obviously, we were raised in patriarchal societies that needed changing hugely. It's not necessarily a time of, right, let's let the women take over, but it's like, let's regain some balance. Like, it's very, very clearly necessary at this point. Let's hear hear the female voice. Yeah. Because I think that is missing from society at the moment. Well, it's certainly less present than it, than it should be. And you know what's strange is that everything is so confused. Like, the society and the media, more than anything, go about it in such a way they're very clever you know I mean you've got to give it to them that they just create pure confusion you don't know anymore like what it, what is divine feminine like you want to empower your sisters but when they're doing something that may be like considered exploitative it's like well is that empowering well is that we are so conflicted we don't want to offend anybody we don't want to dilute anybody else's experience or silence anybody else's sort of what empowers them but it's also just coming to a point of yeah we've got to find individual balance and then I think we'll find more balance as a society which is why we're just going to go and build it from the ground up and then hopefully it'll be a lot easier yeah so obviously everyone in the book are being celebrated because they're really creative um how do you stay creative how do I stay creative that's a really good question (laughs) I genuinely genuinely think it's such a cliche mate honestly but my greatest work of art is my life like whatever I am doing, wherever I'm going, if I'm not having a sweet conversation with my Uber driver and having a laugh, do you know what I mean? Or I don't know, just even having a conversation with someone or just looking out the window and really, really taking it in and enjoying it. Like if you're not making magic out of the present, then well, what else really exists? I had the loveliest Uber driver yesterday. We had an amazing conversation and then he refunded me the entire trip. No. So then I tipped him the entire trip Amazing. I was like got so you back good. fucker that is so good <laughs> <laughs> like, like how, table tennis but how insane is that like a safe like, off like who's going to be the safest yeah because yeah. he can't reject that yeah no. it's so, but how that funny is, is so that and nice. I didn't because it was like um, it, it says uh, like leave a tip and then it said do you want to leave a message and I was like I started typing something out and then I was like fuck it I just deleted no, the message yeah. I was just like just have the tip you don't even like, need to you don't need to sometimes it's just like yes mate but like, men. but yeah, like how often do we do that to like just brighten up someone's day? Like, and how often do you want that? Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. everyone wants that every moment. Do you know what I mean? Of course I want to be raised by my fellow human being. So if I'm not going to go around and raise everybody else in the process, how do I ever expect to receive it? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, obviously being a tattooer, that brings out your creativity and people yeah. want to wear your, your uh, designs yeah, on their skin. Usually. I also just think tattooing's absolutely magic. Like, I really do. It's one of them, like, you know, that oldest mummy they ever found was like covered in tattoos. Yeah. I just think that's, it's just something that has always been with us. Why do you get tattooed? Why do I get tattooed? It's such a good question. And I honestly don't know, but I think it's some sort of reminder of the impermanence of everything mm-hmm. and also the transitory nature of everything and the ever changing nature of everything. It's more like, you know, if you're searching for perfection, either in like, I like that I'm sort of always an unfinished project because I am exactly that. Like this life is exactly that, an unfinished project and who knows where it really ends. Mm -hmm. So it's one of them for me. I just like, 
I really do like taking part in sort of the blood ritual. I find it really, really healing. And I get tattooed by people, especially now. I really, really go out of my way to get tattooed by people who are just mentally sort of on a similar wavelength for me, mm-hmm. who want to share also in that experience and just like, just literally have a good time and give me respect and I'll pay it back. You know what I mean? How did you get into tattooing? I got into tattooing instantly. <laughs> I was 16, 17 when I got asked to work at a tattoo shop. I've been doing art, psychology and biology at college but my love was art. I did really well at school. Like my parents both worked at the worked for the NHS and they all thought that I would go into something like sort of medical or whatever. Mm-hmm. But uh, just my heart just wasn't in it. You know what I mean? I was like, not not to sound like a dickhead, I'm going to anyway. But I was like, <laughs> I am way too intelligent to work every day for the rest of my life. Like I just, you know what I mean? I did not want to do that. I was like, I don't want to do that. I want to experience life. Like I want to travel. I want to do this. I want to do that. It was never a conscious thing. I didn't become a tattooer because I wanted all of those things. I literally didn't think that would ever, ever happen. But I was living in a tiny, tiny little town in the middle of nowhere at college there. And I had some really, really great mates, the same mates I told you about earlier, who, you know, I partied with when I was younger. And we were at a really, really awesome party one night in Bradford. They knew that I drew, like sort of friends of friends. Some of them knew that I drew and they had a friend who worked at a tattoo studio. They were looking for an apprentice. And... He came over, this guy, my old mate, and I was dancing. The pendulum played my friend's basement. It was sick. There was like, yeah, there was like less than 100 (laughs) people there crammed into this crazy basement. It was ridiculous. I was just losing my mind on the speaker, just like absolutely going for it. (laughs) And this guy was like maybe 16, 17. This guy came up with my friend and he's like, yo, mate, this is Hannah. And I was like, sick. I didn't know what was going on. I was like, yes, mate. And he was just like, you're hired. And I was like, what? He's like, you're hired. But it was the energy again. He was like, I want to, you know what I mean? That's the energy I want to work around. I was fucking happy and raging and loving life. And like, what is the point in working with energies that don't reflect that? Like you can learn how to tattoo all the money. There's a ten a penny now, so you've got to learn really, really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But like, yeah, you can learn. So it's the energy and the intention more than anything. You can be the best artist in the world technically, but if you don't have the energy, it doesn't matter what you do as a career, like it's not going to carry you if you haven't got that sort of good intention and, and energy behind it to really, really throw yourself in. And do you still love it after all these years? And more and more, funnily enough, and for different reasons. Like I tattoo very differently to what I used to in terms of, I, you know, the timing. I sort of I tend to work more sporadically now because I'll be traveling and doing this and trying to make products and doing this. So I'll do like a month solid and then I'll have a month off to do a load of running around. Then I'll go somewhere else in the world and do another, you know, a couple of weeks solid. I I like to really dedicate myself when I'm tattooing. I only have like one or two appointments a day maximum and I want to give you all my energy and all my attention. You know what I mean? Because that's what I would want. Mm -hmm. If someone was marking me for life, I want to know that I've got their full energy, their full attention and their full respect ultimately. Like it is a blood ritual and people are so quick to just not give a shit about anything these days. I don't know why not giving a shit is so cool. Like, I don't find it cool. Like, I really give a shit. Mm-hmm. I give a shit about what I put in my body. I give a shit about how my doc- dog's feeling. Like, I give a shit about, yeah, all of it in a really, really healthy way, you know? Because it makes me feel good to, like, yeah, I mean, that be was, in awareness. That was one of the the main ethoses be- behind, like, us opening our tattoo studio was that I think that to a lot of tattooers, it becomes because it's a job, like people become like, oh, you're my nine o'clock appointment. Yeah. And 
to them, they've been marking off those days on the calendar. Like yeah. they've been getting ready, getting ready. And then when they come in, it's like one of the biggest days in their life. They're going to change yeah. completely that day. It's huge. I completely agree with that. I, the first couple of times I ever got tattooed, I just did my full arm. So I went to, when I was 18, I flew to Berlin and I sat for two days. I did my sleeve. That was huge for me. Do you know what I mean? Such a big life changing event. And yeah, that's why it's always stuck with me. I've always got tattooed in a very like similar mindset to that. Like it's important. You've got to give them your all. You're marking someone for life. You're injecting your energy into that person forever. They will forever tie that visual reminder to that experience. Mm -hmm. So you better make it a good one because if you're going to be an asshole that day or going to be off, don't bother. Like yeah. just don't bother putting that energy into somebody. Yeah, I've I've had one of those as well. I've yeah, got, yeah. No. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. I always say tattoos are postcards, so it's like it's, makes a lot of sense. And I I don't I don't dislike any of my tattoos, even though like some of them I've I've grown out of or whatever. It's like cause that's just just a marking of a time. Yeah, exactly the same. It's a timeline. So your clients that come to you, do they mostly find you through Instagram? Yes. Yeah, I think probably like 90, 99%. It's a good one because I just, I don't even prepare anymore. Like I don't have to prepare. I I know like the name of the person I've got in, fingers crossed, usually that day, but they get there and I'm like, right, we are, what are we doing today? What do you like? Do you know what I mean? Let's sit down. I get my pens out. We'll draw it till it's perfect. Just like show me what you want. I love working like that. Because mm, they know you've got all your energy, all your attention. You know what I mean? You aren't just drawing something that you're going to then force onto them and you don't want to change it and, or whatever. It's just like, I'm here to serve you for however long. And that's the agreement that we have. It's an energy exchange. It's a really important energy exchange. You are giving me your skin as your canvas. That is dope. You know what I mean? That is still dope to me. So it's like, I want to bless up that area and do something really, really cool with it. Yeah, for, for me, when I was, when I first started tattooing, like, yeah, like I don't tattoo anymore, but, um, but when I was learning, like the people, like your friends who are willing to give you their skin for you to oh, it's ruin, it's so beautiful <laughs> because <laughs> without that, you cannot progress. Like you, no. you need to, but it's such a lovely gift of it like. It is, it really is. <laughs> I feel like a bit tight. I've got a lot of friends from Doncaster like old friends from Doncaster. I don't know half of them anymore, but props to them out there because goodness me, they're walking around with some monstrosities. On the <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's all part of the rich tapestry in it, but like, holy shit. Yeah. I remember I did my, one of my first tattoos and it went really well and I got really cocky. Yeah. And then that night, my, they were all like a bunch of lads, my old mates, so they're in a group and they're like, oh, that was so sick. That's so sick. Like, do me, do me next. I was so tired. But I was like, yeah, fuck it, I can do it. All right, then. Tried to, for like my second or third tattoo, tried to do a pentagram on my friend's thigh. Holy shit. You know, like the skate pentagram. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> looks like a thing. It definitely looks like a thing. I don't know what that is. But yeah, you need, you need that. You really, really do. And it's the, it's confidence building. It's character building. It's good to throw yourself in and have to figure it the fuck out. You know what I mean? Sometimes. Do you find a lot of your audience kind of reach out and ask you for advice on anything? I used to get it a lot, lot more. I used to feel bad because I used to get a lot of very, very like personal emails like sent to my email address that were like, I didn't always see them in time and stuff like that. And I have someone who does my emails for me. So they'd always try and like forward me them on. But it's hard to know how involved to get because yeah. I could just sit and basically talk to people all day and you could just do that. So I do get, I, I'm not a, an agony aunt. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I can't speak ever for someone else's experience more than anything. Like only you can do that. Everyone can give you hints and tips and cues and like clues, but 
to what might nurture your soul the most but ultimately like it's on you and I don't mean to sound like a dickhead in that either but it's like no one can really really help you but yourself like the answers are inside yourself other people can definitely help point you back to those answers within within yourself and it's definitely important to ask for help as and when you need it and if you feel like you can ask for it fucking ask for it but yeah no one else can lead you back to your own soul ultimately you've got to find out what is right for you what's the best piece of advice you've ever got just to let go just to like let the fuck go mate have everything that no longer serves you that I try to just remain as light as possible, light and breezy, putali life. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Um, where can people find you online? People can find me at, uh, at Hannah Pixie Snow on Instagram. And my website is just www.fromhannahpixiewithlove.com. And that's where all like my merch is and my email address you can find on my Instagram. And it's, it's all basically the same. It's all from Hannah Pixie with love. Thanks for listening. We're trying to help a lot of people with this show, so we need your help to grow the community and spread our message. If you know someone who'd benefit from hearing what we talked about today, or they just need a little nudge in the right direction, pass this podcast on to them. If you want to hear more, then subscribe to us on iTunes. And if we helped you with anything, we'll really love you forever if you can leave us an iTunes review. It makes a huge difference. See ya. See ya.